we'll start on chapter 5 today. Arjuna said, O Krishna, first of all you ask me to renounce work, and then again you recommend work with devotion. Now will you kindly tell me which one of the two is more beneficial? Oh, she's probably kind of cold now, so maybe we should turn that thing off. What do you think? The Blessed Lord said, The renunciation of work and work in devotion are both good for liberation. But of the two, work in devotional service is better than renunciation of works. One who neither hates nor desires the fruits of his act activities is known to be always renounced. Such a person, liberated from all dualities, easily overcomes material bondage and is completely, li completely liberated, O mighty-armed Arjuna. Only the ignorant speak of karma yoga and devotional service as being different from the analytical study of the material world, Sankhya. Those who are actually learned say that he who applies himself well to one of these paths achieves the results of both. One who works, sorry, one who knows that the position reached by means of renunciation can be attained by works in devotional service, and who therefore sees the path of works and the path of renunciation are one, sees things as they are. Unless one in, is engaged in the devotional service of the Lord, mere renunciation of activities cannot make one happy. The sages, purified by works of devotion, achieve the supreme without delay. One who works in devotion, who is a pure soul and who controls his mind and senses, is dear to everyone, and everyone is dear to him. Though always working, such a man is never entangled. A person in the divine consciousness, although engaged in seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, eating, moving about, sleeping and breathing, always knows within himself that he actually does nothing at all. Because while speaking, evacuating, receiving, opening or closing his eyes, he always knows that the material senses are engaged with their objects and he is aloof from them. One who performs his duty without attachment, surrendering the results to, unto the Supreme God, is not affected by sinful action, as the lotus leaf is not untouched, sorry, is untouched by water. The yogis, abandoning attachment, act with body, mind, intelligence, and even with the senses, only for the purpose of purification. The steadily devoted soul attains unadulterated peace because he offers the results of all activities to me. Whereas a person who is not in union with the divine, who is greedy for the fruits of his labor, becomes entangled. When the embodied living being controls his nature and men mentality, sorry, read that again. When the embodied soul, sorry, I'm going to read that again. <laughs> when the embodied living being in controls his nature and mentally renounces all actions, he resides happily in the city of nine gates. 
in brackets, the material body. The embodied spirit, master of the city of his body, does not create activities, nor does he induce people to act, nor does he create fruits of action. All this is enacted by the modes of material nature. Nor does the Supreme Spirit assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. Embodied beings, however, are bewildered because of the ignorance which covers their real knowledge. Okay, so I'm going to stop here. Maybe continue in a little bit. Actually, it's a pretty short chapter. This whole scene here in this world, everything that's going on in this world, is just like is a is a play created by material nature, and the living beings, us, the living beings, are like uh, helplessly forced to act and be part of this play. That's that's the situation of the living beings in this world. They're uh, pulled around by desires and goals and aspirations that are. That, that are not coming from uh, their, them, their actual self. It's coming from uh, external forces. Uh, the, this, this world is like a, it's like a stage play and there's puppeteers pulling the strings. And we're like just moving along. We think we're doing things out of our own um, uh, you know, choice, but actually we're being pulled around by three gunas, three modes of material nature. The modes of uh, goodness, or sattva, raja, which means the mode of passion, and the mode of darkness or ignorance, tamas. And so sometimes we act in the mode of goodness, where we want peace, we want relaxation, we think, that we think it's us, we think that we're the ones who are wanting peace, but actually there's a mode that comes over us and forces us to act, to, to desire this. And then the mode of passion also comes over us, where we uh, desire um, sense, enjoyment, um, fame, wealth, uh, the members of the opposite sex. This is nature is forcing us to, to desire these things. They come over us without even uh, us wanting them sometimes, you know. And then there's a mode of darkness or ignorance that causes us to uh, want to be forgetful or sleepy. So, who's that? That makes Someone's Someone's Oh, it's in the kitchen. Right. Oh. So, um, this is these. This is these strings are constantly pulling us. And, and we're in the illusion that there is no puppeteer. We're thinking that we're the ones that are, are doing it. You see what I mean? Um, and we, have, we are completely forgetful of our eternal identity, who we actually are. It's totally like just gone, this, this, this awareness of who I actually am. And we try to identify ourselves with false identities. but. Have you ever noticed that you never actually feel at home with the identity that you create for yourself? You never actually feel that um, this is actually who I am? Like, 
you know, when I was a kid, I, I identified myself strongly, well, as a skateboarder. Why? Because I had this desire to enjoy to, to skateboard, right? This is what I wanted to do. So I was feeling, this is who, this is, I am a skateboarder, right? Well, at least everyone else around me told me that's who I was. And I had a, I had a, a you know, a desire to go skateboarding. But I, I always felt like it's not actually who I am. You know, I'm, there's more to me than that. I am, my identity is deeper than just somebody who rides around on a board with four wheels on it, you know? Or like somebody might be a, a rocker, you know, a, a rock and roller. And, uh, you know, he's, everyone knows him as, oh, that's Johnny the rocker. But he knows inside, this is not really who I am. I mean, I like music, I, I enjoy rock and roll, but this is not actually who I am. You see, or the businessman is feeling the same way. To the outside, to, to people on the outside who see, who see with external vision, they, they see other people in this world according to their body and to the labels of their body and to what people are into. But those people, uh, they, they know deep down that I am actually more than this. This isn't really who I am. It's like a, a, a role that I'm playing, you know? Do you guys ever experience or feel like that? I did, you know, when I was when I was growing up. And no matter what identity, I mean, I had tons of identities when I was a kid. You know, like when at first I was a hockey player, and then and then I was a skateboarder, and then and then I, well, that was it for me because then I started started a meditation, you know, at, you know, in my teenage years, and then went from skateboarding to meditator. <laughs> but but uh, you know, I um, but. When I when I was in when I started uh, to engage in uh, the process of devotional service or bhakti yoga, um, I started to experience this is actually who I am. It's not a it's not a it's not a false identity. It's not a, it's not a fake label that I have on myself, like skateboarder or this and that. It's actually who I am. You see, I am actually the servant of God. This is my actual uh, true identity, real identity. So other people might see, oh, this is Anantadas, he's, uh, you know, he's, a, he's a devotee of Krishna, he's, he's um, you know, giving classes and he chants and stuff. Uh, but they don't actually see uh, um, how deep that is, how actually um, how inseparable from me that actually is, you see? Well, most people don't anyway. They can't see, they don't see the, the, how true, how real it is, you know? No matter, like, if I have the clothes of a businessman or clothes of a, uh, a skateboarder or clothes of a hockey player or something, uh, I know deep beyond that, underneath that, actually who I actually am. And so, this is, this is what is meant by self-realization. We go through the process of bhakti yoga and reali you realize this is actually who I am. I am not the material body, I am the spirit soul within the body. And more than that, deeper than that identity of simply just spirits, not matter, I am the eternal servant of Krishna, the eternal servant of God. This is who I am. And so meditation, self-realization, it means to uncover this identity, 
to um, to become more and more fixed in this reality. And as a person becomes more fixed in this reality, then the the, the false designations of that are attached to the, the body fall away. They may you might you know I might. You might have those, it's like, you might have those, uh, but you're playing, you know, you understand that you're playing the role of that. You don't, you don't, uh, I, you know, you don't identify yourself as that. Like, I know, okay, I'm Canadian, I'm a male, you know, I'm male and all these things. And I, this is, this is a role that I'm playing, just like actors in a the theater play. They're playing certain roles, but they know deep down that this is not actually who I am. I am, my identity is much deeper than this temporary role that I'm playing. Okay? So, um, but this external world, uh, it's all being, it's all arranged by forces greater than us, and we're simply pulled, pulled around by it. But we can know as we're going through this material world, uh, playing these roles, um, we can uh, become self-realized and know who I actually am beneath this uh, temporary false identity. Okay? So, um, Krishna here is speaking of uh, karma yoga or action in the service of the divine. This is, uh, when a person engages in this, this type of activity, in other words, uh, doing activities not for some uh, personal uh, uh, reward, uh, but I'm doing it simply because my identity is I'm the servant of Krishna, and then because acting on my identity, I engage in the devotional service of the Supreme Lord. So. Uh, as you do this, as a person does this, he 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 becomes uh, this 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 action of karma yoga. In the beginning, is not it's not done out of love. It's done out of like uh, a type of um, sacrifice in order to achieve self-realization. But as you practice karma yoga. Uh, so for, for those of you that don't know, karma yoga means, yeah, well I said it already, just you know, engaging in activity not for your own benefit but for the benefit of the Supreme Lord. And so there's many different ways to do that. Uh, one way, uh, well, see we have this center here and in this center we have many uh, programs that are geared towards um, propagating this uh, process of bhakti yoga. And those who are doing it, are doing it for the purpose of pleasing the Supreme Lord. They're doing it in service of the Supreme Lord, and that's it, because they, ex they experience happiness in serving God. And um, there's many activities that need to be done in order for a center to run and for programs to take place. Uh, for example, um, you know, we have the, the mantra room that happens here every uh, Sunday and Friday and Wednesday, I think. So. In order for that to happen, there needs to be, you know, th there are musicians that come and play. And they're not getting money to come and play. They, they come and play because it's their service. You know, maybe some, they, they have mixed. Some people do it because they like music, maybe. But uh, as they become purified, 
uh, they're doing it more for the purpose of um, their service to God. Some people are cooking in the kitchen. And cooking is not, well, for me anyway, it's not as, a, as pleasurable an, an activity than playing music, right? Playing music, a, a lot of people play music uh, just for the uh, fun of it. Um, but maybe people don't cook for the fun of it. It's always, you know, to, to eat or for somebody else in your family to eat or something, right? Maybe people engage in cooking just for the fun of it, I don't know, but I wouldn't, you know. <laughs> so, um, uh, but some, you know, like, I, I don't like cooking. So if, you know, if, if, if I had to cook in the kitchen, I wouldn't be doing it for my own enjoyment. I'd be doing it for, you know, in my devotional service to Krishna. And, and in that action, I would feel happy and joyful because um, I get to connect in this way, you see. Um, but I, I've done in my, in my life, um, uh, in the service of my guru, uh, things that uh, I would never do for myself. Because, you know, I, I don't like to do hard work, <laughs> you know. But I, I'm, actually a lot of the time I'm doing stuff that I mentally and physically don't like doing, you know. But uh, because I'm doing it, uh, in the service of God, then I um, I experience a happiness or a joy that's deeper than the mind and the senses. So because of that, I realize that I am not this body. I am not this mind. I am the soul within the body, and my eternal nature is to serve is to serve God. Because I experience great joy from that. When you you know, we kind of like identify ourselves with what we like. Do you guys ever notice how we do that? Like, like the skateboarder, he likes skateboarding, so he identifies himself as a skateboarder. Or the, the musician is, is he, he's a musician because that's what he that's what he likes. Or the the surfer, you know. So people identify themselves with their likes, you know. Uh, but we know in this material world that these are all false. They're not really who I am. Right? Even though we like doing it and we identify ourselves with it, it's not actually who I am. You know, I'm deeper than that. But the, when a person tastes uh, karma yoga or devotional service to God, then he, uh, he, he tastes the happiness from it and he identifies himself as this is who I am. You know? But there's nothing beneath that. This, that's it. That is who I am. You know, that's... That's the core of my being, that's who I am. So really, actually, the, the taste of devotional service to Krishna, or karma yoga, the actual, when a person starts to actually experience happiness in serving Krishna, then uh, at that point, uh, he is um, greatly advancing, coming very close to Krishna, uh, coming very close to God, because uh, he's fixed now. He's he's fixed in that in that realization, and and he knows that this is all I need in my life. You know, I was uh, for a, a good you know stint of time. I was working on this particular job, where uh, you know in my service, 
uh, that I would be waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I'd be out on the street, and I was going door to door all day in the hot sun. And it was like every day for like six months. And I hated, my, my mind hated it, my body hated it. But every night when I went to sleep, I was experiencing like so blissful in my heart that I was, um, that I was connecting with, like the, I was connecting with God. So my mind hated it, my body hated it, but that's not me. You see, I am deeper than I am the soul within the body. And because I am the soul within the body, uh, my eternal function is to be rendering service to the Supreme Lord. And therefore, uh, when I am engaged in such service, then I experience great transcendental bliss or happiness. Even though the body is experiencing pain and, or the mind is experiencing, uh, you know, uh, aversion to the activities. This is amazing, really, you know? It's like, when I, when I, you know, this was quite, when I was going through this physically and mentally difficult time, I was only, you know, I was quite, I was like a baby in, in, in the bhakti yoga system. I was only maybe, maybe started maybe two years before that. And, uh, and it was, to me, it just kind of like blew my mind that I was doing something that I hated and my, my body hated it, my mind hated it, but I loved it. <laughs> it was like, like I, I couldn't, uh, to me, it, I just, it was mind-blowing. It was a mind-blowing experience for myself and, and it really, you know, uh, it really opened my eyes to, to things, you know. We, we think in this world that if we follow the mind if we do what the mind wants, and we give the body what it wants, then we're going to be happy and satisfied. That's how we think. But what happens? We follow the mind and we follow the body. It doesn't work. You know? The mind hassles the shit out of you. Go get ice cream at the store. Do it. You're going to be so happy if you do it. Every single time you do it, you regret it, you know, every single time. And then the mind goes, the next time, like, oh, let's go get ice cream, you know? And right, no, <laughs> I don't want to do it. You, we're going to be happy if you do it. Okay. And we do it, and, and, and we do it over and over again, and we become more and more empty from the experience. Uh, but this is how the people in this world live. They live according to their, the desires of the mind and the desires of the senses which are controlled by the material world. That, that we're not in control of them, we're controlled by the senses and the mind. So in yoga, uh, you know people talk about yoga as being uh, the union with the body, the mind and the spirit. But they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. It's true, but when they say it, they don't know what they mean. You know, uh, the the mind, the body, and the self, you, are already together, right? But the problem is, is that uh, there is the self, and it's uniting with the desires of the mind and the body. There is union there, but that's not yoga. Because yoga means 
the union of the self, the body, and the mind with God. You see? When I unite all three, in other words, I know where things fit is yoga. The, the mind is meant to be uh, engaged in the service of the Lord. The body is meant to be engaged in the service of the Lord. And I am meant to be engaged in the service of the Lord, directing my uh, body and mind in His service. So, the real chain of events should be the Supreme Lord, me, and then underneath me, my servants, the mind and the body, doing what I want them to do. That's yoga. But what we have is in this world is the opposite of that. You have the mind, the body, pulling around the self, and God is not even in the picture. So that's, so when, when people say yoga means the, the union of the body and the mind and the self, yes, if you add the most important part, the Supreme Lord. Yoga means union with God. It doesn't mean what you're already doing and just calling it yoga. It doesn't mean just like, uh, you know, being uh, in harmony with your desires and your thoughts and just doing whatever you're, just being one with your body and your mind. No, you're already one with your body and your mind. You're already doing everything your body and your mind wants you to do. That's not yoga, that's not happiness, that's misery and that's slavery. Happiness is when the soul becomes linked up with the Supreme Lord. That is, that's yoga and that's, that's real life and that's happiness. And that's the purpose of yoga is to come to this, this, uh, this union, this, this, this uh, happy, wonderful life-giving connection. This is the purpose of it. So karma yoga, action and devotional service, is the practical application of this um, knowledge of the scheme of things. So I engage, uh, in, I engage my body and my mind in the service of the Supreme Lord. This is yoga, this karma yoga. So Krishna is saying here in the Bhagavad Gita that that is superior to inaction, to not doing anything. When the soul is... Um, uh, engaged like this, this is far superior than simply just sitting and doing nothing. You see? When one's intelligence, mind, faith, and refuge are all fixed in the Supreme, then one becomes fully cleansed of misgivings through complete knowledge and thus proceeds straight on the path of liberation. The humble sage, by virtue of knowledge, sees with equal vision a learned and gentle Brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog and a dog eater. See, this is uh, a, a yoga is uh, because he's fixed up like this in this union with the divine. Uh, he's tasting the pleasure and happiness that is coming from his real identity, knowing who he is. And therefore he sees everybody else not according to their temporary role, but he sees them according to their actual real identity. Because he's seeing it in himself, he can also see it in others. He sees that um, the others are not their temporary bodies. So that's why he sees everybody. The gentle Brahmana, a cow, an elephant, a dog, and a dog eater with equal vision. He sees them all the same. You see? Whereas us in this world, we see dogs and 
elephants and a dog eater and a dog. You know, we see them according to their external designations, their temporary roles, and we think this is who they are. But the yogi sees beyond these temporary um, labels and temporary yeah, labels. Those whose minds are established in the established in sameness and equanimity have already conquered the conditions of birth and death. Death. They are flawless like Brahman, and they are already situated in Brahman. Sorry, but could you read that, that last bit again? Yeah, for sure. Those whose minds are established in sameness, that's uh, S-A-M, not N. Same, oh, sameness. Same, like me and you are the same. Sameness and equanimity have already conquered the conditions of birth and death. They are flawless like Brahman, and they are already situated in Brahman. What does the sameness refer to? One way we can see it is that they, they see everyone is the same. Yeah. They see everyone the sameness and equanimity. They're established in sameness and equanimity. They see all, all others as equal. And because, and because of that, they have conquered the conditions of birth and death. In other words, they're not afraid to die because they know who they are. You see, they know beyond, beyond the, the labels of the temporary body. They are flawless like Brahman, and they are already situated in Brahman. They're already uh, situated in spirit. They know who they are. This is not, they're not um, bewildered by the whole situation. Yeah. A person who neither rejoices upon achieving something pleasant nor laments up upon obtaining something unpleasant, who is self-intelligent, unbewildered, and who knows the science of God, is to be understood as already in transcendence. Such a liberated person is not attracted to material sense pleasure or external objects, but is always in trance, enjoying the pleasure within. In this way, the self-realized person enjoys unlimited happiness, for he concentrates on the Supreme. So even if, if a person is engaged in activity, uh, doing their daily work, but they're doing it in connection with the Supreme, they're um, situated in samadhi or trance. They're experiencing uh, oneness with the Supreme. They're acting for the Supreme. You, they don't need to sit uh, in meditation in order to feel the, the, the inner joy of being one with God. They, they, they have it with them all the time because when they act, they're acting in the service of God. So because of that, their life, their heart lights up with the happiness of union with God. So even on a daily, even, even in daily work, through driving a car or, uh, you know, cooking food or um, raising kids or whatever it is, uh, they, they see things completely different in their ordinary person. They see beyond the temporary names and forms and they are uh, situated in transcendence and in, in, in uh, spiritual consciousness. And because of this spiritual consciousness, they're experiencing great inner bliss and pleasure. And so they're always in transcendence or trance. Trance doesn't mean here uh, some kind of um, state where a person does not move and is simply just 
maybe like you know in a trance-like state, right? It's a different kind of trance, an inner trance, an inner inner joy. Before giving up this present body, if one is able to tolerate the urges of the material senses and check the force of desire and anger, he is a yogi and is happy in this world. One, who is hap- one whose happiness is within, who is active within, who rejoices within and is illuminated within, is actually the perfect mystic. M- mystic. He is liberated in the supreme and ultimately he attains the supreme. One who is beyond duality and doubt, whose mind is engaged within, who is always busy working for the welfare of all sentient beings, and who is free from all sins, achieves achieves liberation in the Supreme. Those who are free from anger and all material desires, who are self-realized, self-disciplined, and constantly endeavoring for protection, are assured of liberation in the Supreme and in the very near future. Shutting out all external sense objects, keeping the eyes and vision concentrating, concentrated between the two eyebrows, suspending the inward and outward breaths within the nostrils, thus controlling the mind, senses, and intelligence. The transcendentalist becomes free from desire, fear, and anger. One who is always in the state is certainly liberated. The sages, knowing me as the ultimate purpose of all sacrifices and austerities, the Supreme Lord of all planets and demigods, and the benefactor and well-wisher of all living entities, attains peace from the pangs of material desires, sorry, material miseries. And that's it, that's the end of chapter 5. So, in the Ashtanga Yoga process, uh, a person engages in uh, this uh, shutting out all external sense objects, keeping the eyes and vision concentrated between the two eyebrows, suspending the inward and outward breaths within the nostrils, thus controlling the mind, senses, and intelligence. This is, this, what Krishna is describing here is the um, Ashtanga Yoga process, and this is not a process of Karma Yoga. This is a different process. This is a process of, uh, that a person goes into meditation and sits there and d- engages in this ki- type of breath uh, control and focus on uh, eventually the expansion of God within the heart, known as the Paramatma. The objective of this is to experience this uh, holding the Supreme Lord uh, heart to heart in your heart, holding him there within your heart, concentrating on the Supreme. However, he's, he described earlier in this chapter that the actual action in union with the Supreme is higher than sitting there meditating on the Supreme. It's superior. So. Um, it's very difficult to engage in the process of Ashtanga Yoga. Uh, the, he said, suspending the inward and outward breaths. This is what needs to be done. This is in the fourth step of Ashtanga Yoga called Pranayama. A person suspends his breathing, uh, merging the inward and outward breath without, so it's different than holding your breath, but there's no breathing in and out going on, you know? And from this point of equilibrium, then he engages in, uh, uh, Pratyahara, which is bringing the uh, tension inward, uh, then uh, dharana and dhyana, and then uh, samadhi. So this is like uh, a step-by-step process to concentrate on the expansion of God within the heart. 
Now, when a person engages in action, karma yoga, he experiences that same result that the Ashtanga yoga, Ashtanga yogi experiences simply by action in union with the divine. He, the same result is achieved. And it's much easier. <laughs> Cooking some food or, um, you know, playing some music and, and uh, you know, whatever you're doing, but doing it in the service of the Supreme Lord is natural. Whereas you, when you're engaging in uh, breath restraint and sitting quietly and for decades trying to bring the mind under the control, under your control, it's, it's completely unnatural. We want to act, we want to do things in life and to engage in this type of uh, meditation, of the meditation of Ashtanga Yoga is extremely difficult. But you can achieve uh, everything there is to achieve in Ashtanga Yoga simply by engaging in Karma Yoga or devotional service. And one that experiences this linking up with the Supreme and he is happy and joyful within holding the Supreme heart, heart to heart. And he is the closest of close within your heart. And, and this loving union brings great joy to the heart. Is there any questions? Was it clear?